Welcome in second hour here on 104.5 The Zone live from the Titans joint training camp practices with the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are pleased to be out here. Beautiful weather in scenic, sunny Tampa Bay. There's even a breeze, Lucas, so I can't even complain about how hot I am. This is this is the back sweat capital of the world, by the way. But there's time. There's time to talk about that at greater length later. In the meantime, let's go to Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. This isn't like we alternate days. It's just you want to come out every day and compete, um, make adjustments. Okay, apparently Mike Mike Vrabel froze. They've run the two players just fine, but Vrabel at the podium is just frozen. So, uh, so that that Zoom link or that uh, that feed has apparently gone down. So we will see what the Titans head coach had to say later on in in the uh in the show 615-737-1045 if you would like to jump in on the conversation 615-737-1045 a lot of uh, a lot of good work gotten out here for a lot of dudes who need it frankly i'm not concerned about julio jones i'm not concerned about aj brown derrick henry or any of the stars that we did not see although we did see derrick henry to a uh you know in a staggered degree over the course of this, it wasn't him going through the 11 on 11 drills. It was Jeremy McNichols in the absence of Darrington Evans, Brian Hill getting some work as well. But those are the guys who need it. Those are the guys on this roster who are trying to make this roster who the preseason is designed for. Ultimately, that's what you're looking for as you're trying to determine the top 53. So now Lucas tells me we've got Mike Vrabel at the podium again. Let's roll the dice and give it another shot. Go ahead, Lucas. We'll look at it, and uh, we'll, we'll see the guys that competed and see the guys that you know, didn't perform or, or whatever and try to find out what the reason is. But um, consider. All right. Lucas, Lucas said enough of that. How frustrated are you? God love you. You're trying so hard back there. That you're, you're all alone. It's fine. You're in the I'm production fine. studio. It's fine. I'm fine. I mean, listen, if we if we couldn't have uh, NPR radio today, we had to have some kind of technical difficulties. I don't even think I don't even think it's on our end, though, Lucas. I think that's on. The, I mean, they're they're literally out by a bunch of bushes like yeah. on the side of the facility. There's no way they've got a good Wi-Fi connection to be streaming this. Um, now, Kaharski has just tweeted something from Mike Vrabel. Can we pull up that tweet? Because I'd like to play this audio if possible, because Mike Vrabel said he thought, uh, oh, Mike Vrabel said he thought today sucked from the players. So I'd like to play this audio. Okay, so Lucas is taping it, but let's pull up the tweet, Lucas, if we can, and run that audio uh, from PK, who's tweeted that out. I want to make sure. Um, okay, well, we I honestly, Lucas, though, because he's telling me in my ear, I'm trying to give the audience the full context because Lucas talks to me in my ear in a way that you guys can't hear. I, I would rather have this tweet than the rest of the press conference. Like, I don't really care about the full scope of the press conference. I know you're trying to make it work, but this, I want to hear what he had to say about he thought today sucked because I'm certain it has something to do with the, uh, the amount of fights that were had out on the field. Discipline, you know, I saw Vrabel barking at a lot of dudes about wasted reps and things of that nature. Uh, it's not, you know, that's not what you come down here to do. You come down here to, you come down here to get better from top to bottom. And more than anything, I want to understand why exactly he thought today sucked. So we'll get that audio for you here in just a second. And then we will, uh, we will see 
what else Mike Vrabel had to say from the podium. Uh, you will also hear later on in the show from Greg Cosell of NFL Films, who did a deep dive with me on our podcast, The Install, yesterday, which we also did live from this Buccaneers practice facility, uh, about Dylan Radens and Rashad Weaver, two players who you guys are hyper-focused on right now, trying to find trying to find where exactly they fit within the within the makeup of this team. Because I think people got very, very excited about the fifth-round pick. But first, let's hear from Mike Vrabel, Saudio courtesy of Paul Kaharski, about why do they sucked. This isn't like the alternate days. It's just you want to come out every day, eat, make adjustments, and same guys going against the same guys. I'm sure there were some good things, but just not enough. You know, positive, just not getting any flow drives offensively. The scrums have a bearing on that? No, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Our job is to, to perform the football play. Uh, you know, regardless of whether there's sidebars or altercations, and, you know, I get it. It's hot out there. Guys are competing and trying to finish. Those things come up. So that's. That's Mike Vrabel talking about the things that went wrong today. So he said it wasn't because of he said it wasn't because of the uh, the scrums and the uh, the dust ups. He said it's because of their job, you know, trying to formulate football plays. He was clearly dissatisfied from the performance that they had out here on the practice field against his former teammate Tom Brady. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five is how you jump in on the conversation. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Let's go to Harrison who has been waiting patiently on the phone lines. If you want to weigh in today, you are welcome to do so. What's up, Harrison? Hey, I called in yesterday. I don't know if you remember me um, talking about your face. Um, I got a couple questions I need some advice on. Um, So I'm going to an engagement party this weekend. It's supposed to be kind of casual. What do you think I should wear, and do I need to bring a present? (laughs) Lucas, what do you want me to do with that? I tell him <laughs> I'm out here trying to have have serious discourse about why the Titans suck today in joint training camp practice. You think Harris is just going to call every day and derail the show? Is, uh, that, is that I mean, I can prevent that from happening. But uh, but I mean, you know, he, he, he called. He asked you a question. I feel like you kind of have an obligation to answer the question. Oh, do you as the as the executive producer of this show? You think that I have an obligation to answer engagement questions in the middle of super self-serious football talk? Yeah. I mean, what do you think you should wear? <laughs> uh, an engagement. I don't think I've ever been to an engagement party. I have no idea. What, what, what does one wear to an engagement party? I don't know. I mean, I would say, you know, like, is business casual too much? Like, I don't know. I mean, don't just don't look like a slob. Don't wear like shorts and a T-shirt. Wear something nice. Wear, wear pants. Wear nice shoes. Like, you know, act like you're going to see somebody, you know, Harrison, and br- bring is what a I would present. say to you. And bring a present. Bring a present? Uh, I don't know. How, I mean, you're going to get a present of the wedding. You got to have a present at the engagement party, too. Yeah, that's a good like point. Like, how, how close are you with these people, I think, is is the more important point. Like, if you are, if these are, you know, dear friends and loved ones that you value and you want to make sure that you know or they know how much you value them, then, yeah, you bring a present to that kind of thing. But I think more than anything, you, uh, yeah, just don't be a scrub. That's all you got to do. Harrison, five, seven, three, seven, one, oh, four, five. Just bring a toaster and stop calling us with dumb questions. A toaster. <laughs> oh, so now you're tired of the questions. You who say I have an obligation to answer the question. Now you're tired of it. Well, the question's already been asked, so you got to answer it. But 
quit, quit asking us dumb questions. I don't, <laughs> why don't you ask Lucas the dumb questions? You don't have enough to do back there. Lucas having a full on conversation about engagement party etiquette uh, whilst doing, you know, whilst trying to balance all of the things that make this live radio show uh, go on. But I guess I want to know from a football standpoint, what what were you looking for out of this week? Because what Mike Otto says, because now I have access to the uh, to some of the zone TV chat, at least I've got access to YouTube. I'm not as concerned about the starters missing. Last year showed us that the starters are pretty much able to pick it up once the season starts. So, I mean, to that end, you know, Cosell and I have talked about this before with how like things change for the Titans offense and how much how much worse Ryan Tannehill looked on third and six. Ryan Tannehill and the offense looked on third and six without Taylor Lewan as the season wore on. Um, but I, I do think that there's I do think that there's um, I do think that there's something to that about you know, for guys, for guys who are veterans in this league, the rookies, it's, it's critical, of course. And for new guys, free agents who you're trying to get, you know, comfortable in your system, except for Julio Jones, apparently. But I, I you know, I'm not concerned. I just, I can't get myself to care about the Julio Jones things, mostly because I've been saying this for two months that Julio Jones doesn't practice. So don't worry about it. 615-737-1045. Moose on, uh, wants to ask a question. Oh, is he? Is he on the phones or is he on Twitter, Lucas? Okay. What do you got for me from Moose on Twitter? Moose wants to know why the Super Bowl champion Buccaneer wide receivers are practicing, but A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are not. You know, it sounds like A.J. gets to do the Julio thing a little bit, doesn't it? And I'm kind of surprised by that. In fact, I want to talk about what's going on with A.J. Brown coming up next because something, something here doesn't smell i mean not physically here in tampa but something in the last couple of weeks with the titan stud wide receiver especially after the way that he was going hard throughout the early part of camp and uh what what he was what he was able to do after returning to the field no otas no voluntary work all these things rehabilitation being the primary focus i want to talk about what's going on with aj brown coming up next because it's been some time since we've seen him in action your phone calls as well 615-737-1045 if you want to jump in and react to what is happening. Why, why, why are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They're the, the defending Super Bowl champions practicing en masse, and the Titans aren't putting their dudes out there. We'll talk about it coming up next. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone, live from Tampa Bay, presented by Scoreboard Bar and Grill. Back here, 104.5 The Zone, live from Titans training camp. Practice has concluded. These two days of work against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I, you know, really more than anything, I'm, I'm surprised by what I saw. Now, some of the stuff was good work, good opportunities for dudes who need the opportunity to make an impression on this coaching staff on the front office, certainly as they try to find their way on the 53 man regular season roster, but I was surprised by how few dudes actually got work in for the Titans among the starters. And, you know, it's not like they're going to it's not like if they weren't out here doing the practices with the first team bucks, because they certainly didn't have a problem getting everybody out on the field. Brady, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, who's, you know, basically at this point in his career needs WD-40 to make sure that he's up and running. Like, make this make sense to me. 615-737-1045. I understand caution and I understand health being the utmost priority. Health 
to the regular season, getting these guys ready for the games that matter. Nobody cares, of course, about preseason uh, and and preseason joint practices and how much you see from dudes because you guys aren't out here to watch it. You don't care. It doesn't count for win-loss margins, all of these things, of course. But if if Tampa Bay, who's just coming off a championship and who boasts the greatest quarterback in the history of man and the probably the most talented group of skill position players, all varying uh, varying ages from Gronk to AB to Chris uh, Chris Godwin to Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, all these guys out here doing work. And Dominican Sue, the second oldest defensive lineman in the league. These guys are out on the field trying to get these reps in against a team that they probably feel like they can get better against. So what's different for what's different for the Titans? Maybe this is this is a Vrabel and Robinson priority that they want to make sure that anything that's lingering, anything that's nagging is kept in check. But I do understand complaints from fans about Julio Jones and why he's not out on the practice field, even as I've told you for two months that he doesn't practice, so don't anticipate him practicing. If you want to weigh in, 615-737-1045. Now, the Titans' defense did get some good work in over the course of the last couple of days against Tom Brady because that was one of the things that I was most focused on. You know, how does Brady operate against this defense that we know had communication issues? that we know struggled on a great many levels. Pass rush is not designed here to get home. They're not knocking down Tom Brady. They're not really making, I mean, they are making an effort to get a good rep against the offensive line in front of them. If you're talking about Jeffrey Simmons or Bud Dupree or Tier Tart, Lorel Murchison, all these guys who are working up front, but they're not taking down Brady. So if anything, Brady should have the ability to make more plays against this Titan secondary. And certainly uh, went uh, today, I'm not sure how many, if any, interceptions he threw, but yesterday he had three picks. He was picked off three different times by, uh, by Molden, by Fulton, and by Jack Rabbit Jenkins. And Tom Brady talked about what it's like to go up against this defense right now and what makes this defense particularly difficult to kind of dissect in his media availability yesterday. Uh, they're good. They're challenging. They obviously are very good fundamentals you know they play to their help all the time very stout in the run game um they try to confuse you uh in the secondary which they did a good job of that today a few times so uh obviously one of the one of the better defenses always in the league and um a lot of good players so it was good work for us i mean obviously it wasn't our uh last time i talked to you guys i don't think we had a great day either so i'm not saying but they're good. They got a, they've got a lot of good players, you know, and it's a good scheme. So they keep things moving. They blitz. They play coverage. They have some good disguises. They do a good defenses, too. They challenge you to think. And, um, you know, we got to be much more on top of things tomorrow. And, you know, it seems like they were a little more on top of things today. Brady speaking to the media yesterday um, and talking about the work that he got against that Titans defense and the interceptions that he was throwing. 615-737-1045 is how you jump in on the conversation. I, I just, I, I understand, as I've laid out, why they are being cautious, why the Titans are being cautious with everything, with all of the players that are on their roster. Guys who are up there in age, guys who they've brought in to make sure that they make a push and have pushed their chips all in with the trade of Julio Jones, with the signing of Bud Dupree, with the contracts, on their roster the way that they currently are. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown still on a rookie deal, Jeff Simmons as well. A lot of dudes getting ready to make real NFL money, second contract money. Harold Landry, Nate Davis, 
But a lot of these dudes, Ben Jones and Nate Davis, by the way, haven't done a lot of work either. It's a curiosity as to why they are being so cautious. It almost seems like to the detriment of dudes who could have the opportunity to get meaningful reps against a team like Tampa Bay. 615-737-1045. Let's go to Bradley in Nashville, who has a question about this this week and this coming up game against the Buccaneers. What's up, Bradley? How you doing? I just got to work. Um, I, I'm from up north. I, um, I've been a Pats fan most of my life. I moved down here um, around 2016, 2017. Um, but since I got down here, I've, been a, I've become a huge Titans fan because I love the fan base and I love what they're doing. Um, do you think they really have a shot? Um, I, I, maybe you've already talked about this before. I, I just turned on the radio. Um, I know Tannehill's taller than me, but do you think they have a shot? Did he say, thank you for the call, Bradley, 615-737-1045. He said, did, did, did he say he th- he knows Tannehill's taller than him? What does that mean? What the hell am I supposed to do? Don't know. And listen, Lucas, you can't shake your head. I, I got an audio medium. What are you doing? <laughs> What are you going to do is, is basically all I got from you there. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the question being, do I think the Titans have a shot just like generally, like as a, as a Super Bowl contender is to, to win the division? I guess I would ask for a little more clarity on that question, but yeah, I mean, of course they do. Of course I think they do. Of course they think they do. You should think they do. They, they just won the division and by all accounts, you know, we, we it remains to be seen on the offensive side of the ball. If they are able to, supersede if not meet the heights that they were at a year ago it's it's not an easy thing to score 30 points a game in the nfl even though you know the other team that they were practicing against this year also scored 30 points per game and you got teams like the chiefs and the ravens putting up numbers all over the place both statistically and in and in the uh and in the box score but i mean do i think they have a shot yeah this is a team that just won the afc south last year and went a step further into how to try and make sure that the things that failed them against the Ravens, which by the way, ironically enough was offense and not defense, given how putrid their defense was a year ago. Yeah, of course they do. This is this, especially which with what's, I mean, Rome is burning around them. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we talked yesterday and Dan lust, the uh, sports entertainment lawyer is going to join us tomorrow to talk about this Deshaun Watson thing. Deshaun Watson is getting, investigated by the damn FBI, much less, you know, what he's going to look like with a bad Houston Texans roster. You fear Terod Taylor because you shouldn't punctured lung or not formerly from the chargers. Uh, Carson Wentz, I almost said Andrew Luck. Carson Wentz is dealing with foot injuries and God knows what's going on in his headspace. I, and then there's the Jags who, if they make a substantial improvement, yeah, they'll win six or seven games, maybe at, at the height of this thing, but it's not like offense was even their biggest problem last year. Their defense sucked out loud. I don't know how, how much attention people are paying to the rest of the AFC South over the course of this, but the Jags greatest failing was not Gardner Minshew or, I mean, Mike Glennon's Mike Glennon stinks. Um, so Mike Glennon was, was not a sustainable option, but their, their offense was tolerable. It was palatable. It's the defense that really put them in the hole that they were in to where they couldn't stop anybody. And Gardner Minshew and, uh, 
and the, the, the rookie undrafted free agent from a year ago, the running back whose name escapes me, uh, I believe James Robinson, um, he could only do so much. 615-737-1045. Graham is in Nashville. He wants to talk about the Titans veteran DBs. What's up, Graham? Hey, I got a couple questions for you. I was just kind of wondering what you think Janoris Jenkins' impact will be to this team and how you feel about um, guys like Kevin Byard maybe not getting meaningful snaps in the preseason. And just to leave you with something, I also think Tannehill is taller than me as well. Yeah, what? What is that, Graham? Help me. I mean, listen, I, we love all of our callers. We love all of our audience. But, like, I, I don't understand the analysis. Yeah, I think Tannehill's taller than me. Well, what the hell do I care if Tannehill's taller than you? What? <laughs> This is yeah. It's Lucas. It's it's like it's like our Zone TV chat sometimes, where the entirety of the Zone TV chat is just talking about how much pot they're smoking during the day. Because I don't know if these guys have like if they're just chilling, like in the chat, they're just smoking pot and watching the show on on YouTube, like chilling in the house or something like that, or like they're college kids or whatever. But like our entire Zone TV chat just evolves into like different kinds of smoking methods that people are doing. So maybe that's what the kind, what you know, the occasional caller who gets a. Uh, Occasional call, but he just said he got the work. So I don't know. Anyway, let me take Graham's questions first and foremost. Janoris Jenkins impact on this team is, I mean, honestly, Kevin Byard is a critical piece. Amani Hooker, who made some nice plays out here today. A couple of a couple of pass breakups. I saw one over Gronk and the other over Antonio Brown um, when he wasn't even the defender in coverage. He came over as the help safety to make a play. Uh, really a leaping pass breakup over Antonio Brown and the Gronk one was just a, he was just in the right spot. He undercut the route um, before the pass could get there in a way that makes you feel good about your starting safety tandem, not much of a drop off. And in fact, an athletic improvement over Kenny Vaccaro from a year ago for as good of uh, as for as good of a of role as Kenny played during his couple of years here in Nashville. But Janoris Jenkins, I believe to be the most important piece of the secondary. I really do. Even at 32 years old, for what they're asking him to do, for the deficiencies that were in the secondary last year, why they play seven or eight yards off a year ago because they're afraid to get beat over the top and not play impressed man. Well, instead, they brought in a whole new secondary, for the most part, that specializes and that has the skill set to be able to play a ton more press man coverage to disrupt the receivers at the line of scrimmage. Jack Rabbit, when you watch him on film, there is not that is not a 32-year-old. Yes, I, poor Lucas, <laughs> back here on 104.5 The Zone. So should, should we should we let the audience behind the scenes? You want to? You wanna, I mean, this is this is live radio, baby. It's it's nothing to freak out about. I know it's a lot harder on you than it is on me because I'm just the one sitting talking into the microphone. But you want to you want to tell the audience what happened there? Zoom meeting ended. <laughs> what? Hey, you guys were worried about me down here by myself and making sure the equipment worked. You got to got to keep the Zoom meeting running while I'm doing a radio show, baby. It's okay. We got it figured out. But we were. <laughs> it's a, it's a God love Lucas. I'm just watching him on a screen scramble about. Try people are sprinting in and out of the studio to make sure that I'm not the one who did something wrong. But you know, with technology, it's okay. We're back on the air. And we're making sure this thing is free flowing and functioning. But we were talking about Janoris Jenkins, and I believe him to be the most important part of the Titan secondary, truly. For the education that he's able to pass down to the players who are new in this, to the players who are still trying to find their way through this, you know, this new look. I mean, it's not a new look defense, but it's a new look personnel group. It's something that on the whole, 
Christian Fulton has to find ways to work with these new guys, even though he's going into the second year and you would assume that there is some kind of continuity that's being carried over. He understands better the concepts that they want to run. He understands the kind of, the kind of defense that, the, that, that, it, that this is. He understands how much better these guys can be. But as far as Janoris Jenkins is concerned, yeah, if, if anything happens to him early in the season, I think this thing has a real potential to fall apart because it's fascinating to watch him out on the field kind of coordinating things outside of what Anthony Midget and Scott Booker are coaching the players up on, the cornerbacks and safeties coach respectively. He's a critical part of the development of guys like Elijah Molden and Caleb Farley and how to make everything work. 615-737-1045. Let's go to Kenneth in Smyrna who wants to weigh in. What's up, Kenneth? Boss man, I call because you know, I want you to uh, explain to me. You know, we keep talking about the Titans winning the AFC South, which is important. You got to win your division, okay? But we never compare them to the heavy hitters in the AFC as a whole, because that's how we get to the championship. You got to win the AFC as a whole. So, how do you think they'll fare up against Buffalo? How do you think they'll fare up against Kansas City? You see what I'm saying? Oh no, for sure. Like, I guess, I guess. The, the context that I take, and I appreciate the call, Ken, is 615-737-1045. Like, the, the question was, you know, do they have a shot? And for me, do they have a shot means, do they have a shot to get in the playoffs? Because once they're in the playoffs, then then it's anybody's, it's anybody's guess. Yes, you have varying degrees of good or bad teams that make the playoffs, especially with the postseason expanded and an additional, uh, an additional wildcard team based off of last year's structure. But how they stack up again, so you're, you're chasing – you're chasing can you're chasing Kansas City and Buffalo perpetually. That's what Julio Jones is about. That's what Bud Dupree is about. That's what that's what the contract extensions for Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill are about. They are right on the precipice of this. If they get the defense, listen, nobody's Patrick Mahomes, but you can compete with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, whose offense took a gigantic leap forward last year. How much better they can be? You know that remains that remains a point of discussion, but. As far as, as far as how they stack up in the AFC with the other teams, they are, if their defense finds its way, you know, from 29th overall to 20th, and they keep pace on the offensive side of the football, they're just as good as Buffalo. They have all of the ability, if not more, than the Buffalo Bills. Everybody, everybody in the league is chasing Kansas City. Even the team that we watch the Titans have joint practices out here against. Everybody, Tom Brady included, is trying to keep pace with Kansas City. The only reason that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid got got last year is because every offensive lineman under the sun apparently got hurt. And even still, Mahomes is making throws where he's basically horizontal lying down, launching a ball off a platform that he should never be making a throw off of, hitting a dude in the numbers, and then the guy just drops it in the end zone. So, I mean, Kansas City is, a, is above and beyond. That's what the Patriots have been for 20 years with Brady. How do you keep pace? Now that mantle has been passed down from Brady to Mahomes. It just so happens, unfortunately, for the Titans that both those teams win the AFC. 615-737-1045. Let's go to Zach from Oak Grove, Kentucky. Wants to take a shot. Listen, I love when the callers feud amongst one another. I want to turn this into a Paul Feinbaum type environment. So let's see what Zach's got to say. What's up, Zach? What's going on there, Mr. Bug, man? Man, we're living just oh, fine no. down here in Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is Kentucky weather, I tell you that much. Don't worry about no tornadoes or nothing. <laughs> anyway, Head on man. a swivel. Yes, sir. 
So um, I, I, I've been listening to your show here recently, and, and I keep hearing this guy that keeps calling in talking about Ryan Tannehill is Matt Shabish and, and all this garb. So I decided to take matters in my own hand, and I hit him up and I messaged him, and I tried to see if we can have a come-to-Jesus meeting. And I have to tell you, Buck, uh, after he got to talking for a while, he, he doesn't make any sense. But to a degree, I kind of understood the, or the premises of where he was going. Do okay. I agree he's a match job? No. But I understand why all these major NFL shows and ESPNs and all that stuff, because they consider Tennessee to be a running team, and that's their bread and butter. And, and how Nate Burleson said Derrick Henry would change the game. They don't talk about Rams Tannehill like that. And I believe that one can't go without the other. So I think after me and him discussing and talking that we can't, and we, we realized that Ryan Tannehill is probably a 15 through 20 type quarterback. He's good. He's good. He's not great. He's good. Yeah. Uh, and and what we, we, we end up leaving off on was that running back. And he does not like to be calling him his name. I don't want to say it because I can't say it right. But he was old. He gave me an earful about him, Buck. So my thing, I got a question for you. How do you see Ryan Tannehill? Is he top tier or is he just a bridge gapper for the next great? Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good question. And I know we've got I know we've got people calling in. I want to keep I want to continue to take your guys' reaction and I'll address the question that he's just posed to me coming up next. We appreciate the call. 615-737-1045. I'll tell you exactly how I view Ryan Tannehill. Coming up next, it's 104.5 The Zone live from Tampa Bay for the Titans joint training camp practices against the Buccaneers, presented by Scoreboard Bar and Grill. Welcome back in. 104.5 The Zone live from Tampa Bay. It's uh, it's started to get a little more more, uh, peaceful out here. Just, uh, you know, the occasional lawn blower. They have these giant leaf blower type things that keep rolling right in front of me. Lucas, can you hear that in the background? I don't know if that helps the ambiance at all. No, I cannot. Yeah, no no theater of the mind when it comes to the leaf blowers. No theater of the mind. That's a pity because they're getting ready to make a pass right now. Uh, We also have gators that are out here on the practice facility. I don't know if you saw like Donald Page and George Walker, the Tennessean. Yeah, I did see that. (laughs) These things are just chilling out here. There's like a pond. Well, there's a pond right behind the media tent. If you're watching on Zone TV, you can see. I mean, it's beautiful out here. The sun, the the facility, the Bucks facility. By the way, I know I talked about this yesterday, but this is this thing is drop dead gorgeous uh, for a team that sucked for forever. I guess the Glazers just have a ton of money. They, don't they own an EPL team too, Lucas? The Glazers, yes, uh, Manchester United. Manchester United. Yeah. So clearly they, they got they got bags. Only the most historic Premier League team in the history. Yeah. Only the best one <laughs> or the, the most historic one, not best, but most historic. Um, so, yeah, there's a there's a pond like behind the media tent, and there's just alligators like lurking around back there, like behind with that Dexter backdrop that I had yesterday. I was legitimately worried that one was going to like sneak up behind me. It's not like there's a fence snap separating us from the uh, from these reptilian creatures, these dinosaurs that are just waiting to take a chunk out of my ankle. But we survived. I, I tweeted yesterday that I was going to turn one of them into a pair of boots, and then people immediately called me out because they know I'm a coward and I would never do such things. Yeah, you, you would run. You would run. Zero percent. I mean, I would run. I, that thing would probably catch me. Alligators could move, man. They get going, chopping, chopping those feet it's like a football player. Keep always forward, always in motion. Keep chopping. Um, but did you see this story in Salt Lake City? We'll get to the callers, and I, I know I've got a, a point that I have to make about Ryan Tannehill here in just a second, but. 
the uh, the story out of Salt Lake City where this woman is handling an alligator in like one of these zoos. It's like scales and tails or something like that thing gets a hold of her arm, death rolls. And some dude like just a patron, a visitor to the park, jumps on the alligator's back and is like able to help her free herself from the literal jaws of death. Uh, while she's getting her arm twisted up, I think, I mean, she obviously had surgery and it sounds like she gets to keep the arm, but like, I would never, ever, ever, there is, I'm such a coward. I would never be the person that jumps in the alligator tent. Every <laughs> Darwinism at that point. Sorry. You would just be, you know, oh my God, somebody help her. No, I'd take a video and I'd put it on TikTok or something. <laughs> like that. Somebody do something. Somebody do something while I'm over here with my phone and my camera. <laughs> it's about the, Extent of my hero, uh, heroism, 615-737-1045. So the caller who uh, waited before break from Oak Grove was asking me my opinion of Ryan Tannehill. Listen, I, and I know some people have brought this up in the chat. Dude needs to do more in the playoffs. Like, it can't be the Derrick Henry show every time they get into the postseason. Because right now they're sitting at 2-2 two and two, uh, in the postseason. They, the run that they had in 2019 to the AFC Championship game, big, historic, huge. Uh, absolutely something that they could build upon the core, the bones of a successful championship contending team are obviously in place. And they've done things this offseason to fortify that. But Ryan Tannehill in the postseason, that's why this mother bleeper thing with Tom Brady came up from the from HBO's The Shop, where he's talking about you're sticking with that mother bleeper. And people say, well, it can't be Tannehill because Tannehill is the one who just basically beat him in the playoffs. But like Tannehill, in that playoff game, he did have a touchdown to Ferkser. He threw an interception. He had like 70 yards passing, and the rest was Derek. And, you know, the defense, because Logan Ryan's pick six obviously ended Tom Brady's career as the, as the New England Patriots quarterback in that 2019 postseason. But more than anything, Ryan Tannehill has the ability to, to show us and everybody out there who discusses the Tennessee Titans, because they are a run-first team. You stop the Titans, as the Baltimore Ravens did, by stopping the run first. And you make Ryan Tannehill try to beat you. And if the run game isn't operating as efficiently as it does and as it has, then there are ways that you can poke holes in the armor of the Tennessee Titans. It is a run first team for a reason. It's not like Tannehill's not capable. You can't, you can't say anything but heap glowing praise upon a, a quarterback who, had, who accounted for 40 total touchdowns last year. He's what makes the biggest difference in this offense. Derrick Henry and the running game, and the principles that they run set things up for Tannehill to be able to maximize it, but it's about the ball placement, it's about the efficiency, and it's about the fact that he hangs in the pocket and stands and delivers so many times as we've seen him do. He's incredibly tough under pressure. But how they elevate further, because you've gone from Marcus Mariota and Derrick Henry, who whose level of play, in the case of Marcus Mariota, was all but constipating the offense. They couldn't get anything done. Derrick Henry is nearly doubling his rushing average yards or his average rushing yards per game since the change has been made. Now Ryan Tannehill, outside of performing in the regular season and doing things like getting to the postseason and back-to-back years and winning division titles, things of this nature, they still need to find a way, or he needs to find a way, to further elevate himself. I, I believe that he's capable. Absolutely, I do. But at a certain point, he's going to come under some more, uh, much more heavy scrutiny by all of us in the media corps, because wh- when you do these things, 
and you you get to the postseason and you have the success that they did in 2019, yeah, they 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 will they will satisfy the fan base's thirst for a while. But once it starts to become routine, and you become a an organization that expects winning, as Mike Frabel and John Robinson have clearly set the precedent that they do, you can only like getting to the postseason and winning divisions, even though it hasn't happened here for a while until recent memory. It's got to go further. This is the window that you have with the roster is currently constructed. Maybe they find ways in future years to sustain that. But at this, at this current juncture, Ryan Tannehill has the opportunity and will have the opportunity to show us and everybody else that he is more than just the point guard of this offense. It's okay to be the point guard of an offense when the offense is functioning at a high level.